Motherboard is brought to you this week by GitHub. GitHub is the best way to build software together. Whether it's your company's app, your favorite open source library, or a weekend side project, GitHub helps everyone work better by providing tools for easier collaboration and code sharing on any device. Start collaborating today. Open source project hosting is free. Learn more at github.com. This is episode seven of Motherboard. I'm Catherine Rotundo, and today's guest is Jen Myers. Jen is a web designer and developer, teacher and speaker. She teaches at Dev Bootcamp in Chicago and founded the Columbus, Ohio chapter of Girl Develop It. She speaks and gives keynotes at conferences around the globe, mentors aspiring speakers, and has an eight-year-old daughter. Hi, Jen. Hi. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me here. Uh, yeah, it's it's wonderful to have you. I'm so excited to hear a, a little bit about what you're doing now. You're doing a ton, and I'm completely inspired to see that you're doing it while parenting. I uh, trying at least, yeah, <laughs> like most people, I think you try to do that. No, yeah, I think um, it's it's going fairly well. It's it's always seems to be a little bit of a work in progress, but I think if you embrace that fact, it makes it work out okay. What's your typical day like? There are a lot of things that you do between teaching and, and coding and speaking. Do you have a typical day? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> I, I think I generally do. I am a person who likes routines because routines free my mind up to think about other more interesting things. So I try to t keep to a somewhat typical schedule. I'm also a very, very much a morning person. So I like to get up really early. I typically get up between 4.30 and 5. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, everybody finds, I, I, that's why I mentioned everybody finds it such an interesting thing, but that just suits me. I've always been very much a morning person and I like natural light. So it's a little bit harder to do in the winter. Um, I live in Chicago, so it definitely uh, is not very welcoming to wait when you wake up at that time in the winter, but in summer it's gorgeous. And so I love waking up early and that's usually when I do a lot of my, my work that I don't do during my day job. So a lot of the the correspondence and organizing and things I do around speaking, I try to knock that out of the way early in the morning. Then, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a single parent and have been since my daughter was born. So um, one of the other reasons I get up early is it gives me some of that, that free time in the morning. Um, <laughs> before when, she wakes up. Before she wakes up, yeah. It, it's it's funny how quickly that changes when they're, when they're small. You can't get them to sleep for long periods of time. And then at some point it switches and now I have to, you know, have to drag her out of bed for school in the morning. So Oh, my gosh, um, that's so good to hear. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. <laughs> yes, a little ray of hope for all those, those people with, uh, with younger kids. Eventually it'll switch and then you have to like fight them to get out of bed. So my daughter is not a morning person, <laughs> which is totally fine. Um, but yeah, it's nice because it gives me a little bit of time um, to focus on my own things. I also do a lot of writing, so it's just some nice quiet time. Um, and then I'll get her up and get her ready, um, at least start to get her ready. Um, my schedule now at Dev Bootcamp, we start the day at 8 a.m. So I usually leave the house um, much earlier so I can get to work on time. And so I have a morning center that comes in and helps get my daughter ready for school and to school. And then I'm at Deb boot camp during the day and then come home in the evenings and hang out with my daughter for a couple more hours before we get her ready for bed. So that's, that's a typical day. And I try to stick to that as much as I can. That's really cool that you have help in the morning. I, I'm not sure if it's something I would have ever thought of. You know, I think of a babysitter 
as someone who comes in the evening, but it mm-hmm. makes total sense that, uh, that it can work in the morning too. Yeah, it was something that, given our our schedule at Dev Bootcamp, I mean, I probably could have arranged, but I I like to hold to schedules. Um, It's good for me, and I think that I'm really lucky my daughter is a really open, friendly, independent kid. Um, And I mean, I'm a pretty independent person, so because it's just the two of us, I'm sure I've encouraged that more in her, but um, she loves having, you know, more people around, basically. So I have both a morning sitter and then I have an afternoon sitter who comes in um, and picks her up from school and and takes care of her until I get home in the evening. So, um, yeah, it's been really useful to be able to have somebody who can come in in the morning and give me just that little bit of extra time just to start the workday earlier. And and my daughter loves having another friend around. And I I read, um, I forget which bio of yours it was in. Um, It was so cute. You wrote that you do daughter-driven development. Um, You can see how... I don't know if I did do that, but it sounds great. Oh, maybe someone was writing about you. Oh, maybe. I don't remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, test-driven. But it's clear how important she is to you. Um, I saw you have a link to her website from your website, which was really sweet. Yeah, which she has made. So I, I teach her HTML. Um, so we, we work on that together and she, um, you know, I've, I definitely help out with that. Um, but she's written every bit on there. We have these whiteboard magnets that we use of HTML elements to learn and like lay them out how an HTML page would be. And then she types it in and then she gets pretty good about figuring out how, what she needs to kind of copy and replicate and change to do other pages and things like that. So that's a lot of fun. Oh my goodness. That's so cool. Yeah, her code's up on GitHub. <laughs> oh, no way. That is... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if she's the youngest one. <laughs> I don't think so, actually. I've actually talked to some people. I need to follow up on this. I've talked to a couple people about, um, wouldn't it be great if parents could have kind of like sub-accounts for their kids that they could oversee? Because I know that kids can't have accounts themselves on GitHub under 13. Um, <sighs> but it would be really great if we had like parent-administrated accounts that they could help them with these projects. Um, and I have heard some feedback that there's lots of kids who, who want to do that sort of thing. I know other parents who who code with their kids. So... Um, yeah, I think there's, there's going to be a lot of coders growing up soon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, super cool. You're making me look forward to getting to do that with my son. So I saw that you travel a lot. You have, um, you have some really cool conferences coming up. You have conferences in Sweden and Denmark coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm both curious to know how you got into speaking in the first place and, um, how you manage it with your daughter while you're Mm -hmm. away or if she comes with you. Yeah, so getting into speaking for me was a complete accident. <laughs> I did not in, intend to, or there there was never a point in my life where I'm like, oh yeah, I'd be a really good speaker. I'm going to do that someday. Um, I never even it never even occurred to me. Um, and I got into it because um, I guess it's been about maybe almost three years ago. Um, I had fairly recently started Girl Develop at Columbus, and so I was. Um, I was involved in organizing that and also starting to think a little bit more about just tech education and how we bring people in. Obviously, in that context, it was specifically how we bring women in here. Um, But it also made me think a lot about just how beginners interact with learning to program and what kind of resources we have for them and um, environments we create for them. Um, And so I had been, you know, in that headspace for a little while. And there were some friends of mine who were organizing a conference and they were looking for more women speakers. 
you know, they like posted on Twitter and I like retweeted them. I was like, Hey, good for you. And they're like, okay, so what about you? <laughs> I was like, um, I, I, what would I talk about? I have no idea. And they're like, well, you've been doing this girl development thing for a few months and you probably have some ideas around that or why you did it. So why don't you talk about that? So I did. And it was a little weird. I was, I was the only woman, woman on that conference lineup. Um, and then, you know, I was talking about a soft topic essentially about education and, and this, but I realized that I kind of liked the idea of, of sharing something that I was excited about. And so I started submitting to some other conferences and I really always approached it from that same thing where I'm not necessarily an expert in this, but Hey, this is something that I'm excited about. And I like to share it with you and talk about where I am in this, this process of learning about it and where I want to go with it. And I, I think that I'm a fairly, I'm a very expressive person. And, and I think that enthusiasm has kind of endeared me to audiences and, and helped me keep going with this. And um, like I said, that's been almost three years ago. So I, people keep asking me to do things and I, I just keep doing them. <laughs> that's pretty great. Does your daughter think it's cool that you get to travel? Um, she thinks it's great to travel. Um, and to answer your, your earlier question, um, she does come with me often. Um, it depends on the event. So sometimes I'll have her um, stay with like a nanny in town if it's just a quick overnight in and out. Um, but most often I take her with me. I think my last few conferences, um, she's come with me and she likes the travel part. I don't think that she really cares much about the conference part yet, Yeah, <laughs> um, which is totally fine. Like, I mean, I, I like the fact that, that I can give her that example um, I think I hope at some point in her life it'll be a little bit more relevant that she had that example. Um, now I know she doesn't really care, <laughs> but she does like to travel. She she likes to go places, and and that's really cool. So um, I'm really fortunate that um, she's a pretty pretty self sufficient kid. Um, I also started taking her to classes that I would teach her girl develop it and things like that. So she she likes being in that environment. She's really good at um, talking to to people and also just kind of like chilling and doing her own thing. So um, she fits in at a tech conference pretty well. Yeah. And like I said, I, I don't know how much she she always enjoys it. I don't know how much she gets out of it in terms of like being in that environment. But I'm really hopeful that someday she's going to look back and realize that how much time she got to spend um, you know, going to conferences and watching her mother speak and, or go being in a classroom, teaching a whole bunch of other women how to code. And that that would, that's a really great thing for her to have as an example. And just knowing that that's in the world. Oh yeah, that's definitely, it's amazing that she's having that. Um, I think she has a front row seat to something a lot of girls don't get to see. Right. Um, so that's, that's really awesome that you're doing that. Um, I'm curious, when, when you bring her to a conference, do you end up getting to go to any of the other sessions or do you basically give your talk and then you're with her or? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I try really hard when I go to conferences to not be the speaker who just kind of like flies in and flies out. <laughs> um, I try to, you know, contribute to the, the whole experience. I think that's important. And I love to talk to people. Like that's the whole reason why I go speak. So I don't always necessarily get to sit through all the other sessions, but I try to be in that space and be available, mm -hmm. which is a little bit easier. Um, sometimes we do sessions. It depends on the conference. Um, last year, I gave a keynote at the Strange Loop Conference. Um, who They were very, very open and supportive for me bringing my daughter, and she had a great time. And they had a couple sessions that were very much focused on education, including there was one session from a woman who would help develop the Hopscotch app. Oh, um, cool. 
Yeah, if you've seen that or if, if anybody hasn't seen that, it's this really great iPad app that's a visual programming language aimed at kids, um, which my daughter had. Like, she, you know, she was in the session with her iPad and had hopscotch on it. Awesome. Um, and there was another session that was presented by a father, um, both with his daughter, his 11-year-old daughter and his 14-year-old son. Like, they helped him present. It was pretty great um, on Minecraft and how Minecraft can be used as an educational tool and how his kids had learned with it. And my daughter is a huge Minecraft fan. It's it's her main as obsession. So, you know, that was a really great opportunity where she sat through the conference talk with me. And I'm, again, I'm sure there were some parts that she wasn't all that interested in, but um, I think being able to kind of immerse her in that environment, I, I don't necessarily want to like push her into choosing the tech field or, or make her feel like she has to. Um, but I know from my own experiences, I, I never had access to this sort of stuff growing up at all. And I came pretty late to the tech field. So I, I would like to think that immersing her in this environment at least will let her make that decision for herself and she'll she's never going to feel like she doesn't belong or she can't do this because she's been used to being in it since she was a kid i'm so impressed i think you're giving her a great role model you know it's just it just puts another picture in her head like okay a woman can be a programmer that's totally normal um, right yeah <laughs> have you ever used um the like has a conference ever offered child care and have you ever used it? So not really. No. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. And that's something that I, I'd like to work on. I, I will say for Strange Loop, Strange Loop has some great organizers and people who are really interested in diversity. And they made sure I was able to bring Elizabeth with me. And there was, I think there's been one other conference who has offered it. But I wasn't able to attend that conference. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's out there. There are people who think about this, and I really, really appreciate that. I think it would be great if it became um, even more regular for people to offer that to everybody and make sure that it's, it's, a, it's an option. Um, most of the times when I bring my daughter, it's more of – I usually ask just to make sure nobody has any issues with that, but also kind of r- raise awareness of, you know, this is an issue some people have to think about. Um, and I've never had any resistance and always had people being very welcoming. Um, but usually I do have to make those arrangements and, and do it myself. And, again, not a, not a problem for me. But I really would like to see in the future more conference organizers thinking about um, having child care for not just speakers, but for attendees as well. Um, I know the Grace Hopper Conference, which is for women in computing, has had child care for, I think, pretty much all of their existence, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I remember uh, last year I was there seeing moms walking around with strollers and mm-hmm. like, yeah, sleepy yeah. kids. <laughs> It's really great. And I think that that's a, what you were talking about earlier is a really important thing that not only is it important to think about issues of child care because women still statistically carry the largest burden of that. And sometimes that's a barrier to getting to events, but also just the fact that we can bring, you know, our kids into this world and show them what's available and make it accessible to them, especially daughters. Yeah. Like that's a huge thing. And so I think that there's, there's so many positives to uh, breaking down those barriers and, and integrating the whole, you know, all the child care and all the mothers and all of that stuff. Well, it sounds really fun to be traveling with your daughter. Um, I might have to think about bringing my son to something. He's five, so he's still a little young, but, um, yeah. but yeah. Oh, that gives me something to look forward to. <laughs> all right. So, uh, so I asked how you got into speaking and I'm curious, uh, in, in part of your answer, you said that you came a bit late to web development in general. What was your path mm-hmm. getting, getting here? Oh, wow. Technical um, work. Yeah, no, it was it was it was totally non-traditional at all. <laughs> um, so I 
I grew up way out in the country um, before internet, so I, and we didn't have access to computers or really anything much much like that. I didn't really start using computers until I got to college, and I was in college and had no idea what I wanted to do with like anything <laughs> at all in my life. Um, and I ended up taking a year off from college, and in that which was probably around two thousand two thousand one. I think it was the year 2000. And so I w- we finally did get a computer at that point and like a dial-up internet connection. I remember <laughs> I st- that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We finally had, you know, the lane, the, the uh, internet lines run down the gravel road that I lived in <laughs> in rural Ohio. Um, and yeah, no, for real. <laughs> and uh, so I started making websites, just like actually just making websites because I wanted to make them with um, like drag and drop editors and things like that. Um, and then I was getting really frustrated that I couldn't make them do exactly what I wanted them to do. So I started teaching myself HTML. And I really liked the idea of being able to type things and then, you know, m- make something that the computer knew how to understand. And I-, I could create something out of that. And that was really cool. So I ended up going back to college and studying computer science. Um, which was uh, well-intentioned, but didn't actually give me what I wanted. <laughs> oh. I, I, and there was a lot of context that I didn't understand at that point. Um, I really wanted to just, like I was saying, I really like to make things. So I really wanted to be like a programmer and just, just really dig into that practical side of it, um, which is not exactly what computer science is all about. Um, no, that's not there's saying, a lot you know, of theory. Right, right. And it's not saying that one is like better or worse than the other. They're just slightly different and they're related, but they're they're different. And also I had gone to a college that was fairly small and so when I went there to study computer science, um I was one of only two female computer science majors in the entire school. So I definitely didn't feel like I had, you know, many people to turn to, you know, or people who were kind of going through the same community issues, feeling like I didn't have a lot of support structure or community that I really belong to. Um, so when I was having difficulties with, you know, the material or kind of envisioning where I was going to take this, um, there, yeah, I didn't really have anybody to talk to. And it was kind of a lonely battle. I did that for, I almost finished my degree. I got, I literally think was about a semester away. Um, and then I ended up having my daughter. So it was kind of one of those things where, yeah, I could push through this, but at the time it was also, I'm not sure if I want to push through this because this hasn't really been all that fun and I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with this. So, um, I didn't, I didn't finish my computer science degree, but the whole time I was doing that, I was continuing to teach myself more about web design. Um, and I come from more of a, like a very visual learner, um, artistic bent. So I was able to pick up a lot more stuff on more, the more design type work around the web and creating websites, I was able to pick that up pretty easily on my own. Um, And so I just kept doing that. And when I got out of school and my daughter was young, I I just did a lot of that. I did a lot of web design. I did some some freelance work. And um, I also did a lot of IT work because I had done that in college too. So I did um, help desk support and things like that. And I just did that for a long time and kept like taking jobs and picking up things here and there and slowly, you know, kind of learning more. It took a really long time for me to kind of get a sense of what I always refer to is just this context of like what the web is and what it is to develop for the web and um, the whole breadth of it from just making like a static website to making a full-on web application and you know what are the differences between the two and what are the similarities between the two and things like that so it took me a really really long time to wrap my head around a lot of that stuff and I always had wished it had been a little bit easier and I had more people to to ask for help and to 
um, look up as as mentors and role models. I feel I didn't really have a whole lot of that. Um, but that's that's why I ended up doing more work around education space myself to kind of put some things into place that I wish I had had. Well, that's really inspiring that you are are helping to fill those holes that you have identified. Um, and, you know, I can totally relate to uh, how hard it is to learn all of web development. Um, I think probably when you started, definitely when I started, um, I, I remember buying this first O'Reilly book that was called like being a webmaster or something mm, like that. It was, it, it, sound, was, it sounds about right. Yeah. It was one book, you know, it was one book and one chapter was on HTML. One was on CSS, one was on XML. And it was like right. in that one book, you had everything you needed to make a website on your own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so many of the websites on the web today are made by teams of people who are all incredibly specialized. Like there's the Ember right. guy and then there's the Ruby girl. And, um, you know, it's, a uh, there are so many technologies to learn and they are constantly changing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like you're never done learning. (laughs) That's absolutely true. Yeah. And I mean, even now I, I say it took me a while to wrap my head around that, but um, I was careful not to say it took me a while to, you know, learn everything I needed to learn because I'm still definitely doing that. So while we're on the subject of continual learning, let me tell everyone about our sponsor GitHub's patchwork events. These are free hands-on workshops for learning Git and GitHub. Newcomers are guided through the basics by GitHubers and community mentors. So whether you'd like to learn as a participant or share your knowledge as a mentor, everyone is welcome for a night of hacking, food, drinks, and friends. Check out the GitHub blog, that's blog.github.com, for details of a patchwork near you. Well, I am curious, uh, as you talk about not having um, as many role models as you would have liked, or um, finding sort of the, the social situations that you were in of being like in a minority, like a huge minority of women to be a little bit challenging or discouraging, um, I'd love to talk with you about that a little more because it's something that I, I also relate to. I love the kind of work that I get to do as a programmer. I love the potential that new technologies have to bring positive change into the world. But being a woman engineer isn't always rosy, you know, whether it's, uh, Mm. just in, in a small company context where, um, you're the only woman on the dev team, or whether it's on the internet at large, where people can just be jerks, uh, anonymously. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, do you, you know, what do you, what do you love most about the industry? I would say that what I love most about the industry is, well, I like the good people. (laughs) Um, and, and there's a lot of them. I would say they're definitely the majority. Um, I love being able to connect with people and I, I, the other thing is connected to that, but I guess the other thing that maybe is even more important is I really, really like to make things. Um, and I like to, I like to create just as a general principle. And I really love to create things that can, um, help, help people. I know that Mm -hmm. sounds like I was trying to come up with something that maybe sounds less cliched, but that's all I really got. 
we have this really great opportunity making technology to be able to make people's lives easier or more meaningful or more efficient or a variety of things. And that's really amazing that we get to do that. Um, and we get to connect people and we get to, you know, further communication and give platforms for people to, to say things and explore things and have conversations. And just all of that is really, really exciting to me. Um, so it's a combination of being able to create things and enjoy that creativity and then specifically being able to create things for people um, and that connect people um, and, and, being able to connect with those people who are also excited about those things because there's a lot of them out there. I feel like the majority of the people that I know in the industry feel very similarly where they, they just really love um, creating things and um, that enthusiasm and that passion is what makes them so fun to connect with. So that's definitely my favorite part of being in this industry. Yeah, I agree. There are a lot of good people. There are a lot of really cool people. And speaking with them at conferences is important. I know you said you, you spend a lot of time, uh, not necessarily in sessions, but more in the hallway track. Oh, definitely. And I find that incredibly valuable too. I mean, just, you know, actually getting to talk to the people who are at the conference. Oh, absolutely. That's my favorite part of conferences, especially after a while you go to a lot of them and it never gets tiring to have conversations with people. And I really love being able to, to talk to people who you know, whether they saw my session or they have seen something I've done on the internet or, or vice versa. Um, every once in a while, I'll have somebody who come up to me at a conference like, oh, I didn't want to bother you. And while I appreciate people think about that, that's that's wonderful for them to be polite and, and thoughtful for others. But like, that's why I'm there yeah. to talk to people like, please bother me. Um, if I don't want to talk to you, then I won't be there. Right. Um, again, you know, not that not that I don't appreciate people being polite, but um so yeah, I want to make it really clear to people that I, I'm not the type. I'm not a speaker who is is there just so I can give myself a platform. I'm there to connect with people and talk to people, and I love having conversations with people. And that's really what it's all about. Yeah. So there, there, there are those good people that that um, make you enjoy being in the industry, and of course, um, there are there are like the the few bad seeds, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, in the happens. industry yeah. or on the web, and I'm. I'm curious um, if you have any, you know, specific things that you're thinking about that you really wish would change in the industry. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely work to do. Um, the, the community that I described is not that's only in certain certain areas and there's other areas there's a spectrum too you know I really feel that if you go over completely to the other end and people who are or at least, you know, envisioning people who are actually like rude and mean, like these are very, very rare. Um, And those usually really aren't the ones that I think cause the majority of the problems. I think there's a little bit of this gray area in between of, of people who are well-intentioned for the most part, um, or, or maybe just kind of uninformed in some of the subtleties of what it's like to be a minority in, in this type of community, um, or what it's like to come with different perspectives and different backgrounds and, and kind of not be included. Um, sometimes it's difficult for people to understand what that's like and have empathy for it. Um, and sometimes they react with defensiveness. Sometimes they react with aggression. Um, you know, sometimes they are just kind of confused and don't know what to do, <laughs> um, <laughs> All of which, you know, to a certain point, I understand. But I think that those are the type of things that sometimes make the community not as much fun to be in for minorities. Um, Obviously, like, I'm a woman, so I identify with that. But there's lots of other minorities who feel exactly the same way. Um, And, yeah, that, that is something to work on. I don't necessarily have an answer for that. I think that... 
Um, it's going to take a lot of small efforts and large efforts, but I think, you know, it's really just everybody making small efforts over a long period of time. Um, at least that's what I, I've come to conclude <laughs> over the many years that I've been thinking about this. And that's not to say that we, we should ever give hope about changing anything in our, our immediate futures or lifetimes, but um, I think that it's going to take a long time to change its culture to be more inclusive and also just really more celebratory of people who do have different perspectives. I think that we're kind of in this this weird space now where some people are starting to realize that there's tremendous value in having people with unique perspectives um, to bring to the table for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, just because we want to have new, fresh ideas to put into the products that we're making, um, that we want to have those type of people on our teams to, to make it a more interesting and a more comfortable place to work. You know, there's a variety of things. So I think people are starting to realize that this, this is something that we should value and that we have to work to, to achieve. But we're not quite at the point where it's easy to achieve that. Um, there is not like one simple thing or even there isn't even a list of simple things that we can do and just tick them off and be like, OK, now we're, that we're an inclusive workplace or we're an inclusive conference or we're an inclusive community, you know, job done. Um, it doesn't work like that. Right. So, um, so I, yeah, I think we're I, I do feel hopeful I think that I see a lot of people who are becoming more aware of this issue, um, especially, you know, when we talk about how, how difficult it is for, for women to feel that they belong in here. I think that more men are starting to become aware that women feel like this, which honestly, you know, 10 to, well, especially like 10 is probably, well, you know, when I started my computer science degree and even about five years ago, I don't think that the levels of awareness were there is where I see them now. So I see that as progress. I think that there's a lot more awareness and I think that um, people are starting to be educated and also educate themselves onto what it's like to come in from a different perspective. Um, so I think that we're, we're working through that education process. And I think that if we keep going with it, then it's, it's going to start changing the culture for the better overall. You know, I think it's really interesting what you said about, um, you know, not necessarily the, the trolls being the worst part, but maybe people right. who are sort of, um, who, who just don't engage with the idea that they need to be, uh, yeah. a part of progress. Um, I read a really interesting quote recently and I don't remember where it was, but about, um, ally being a verb <laughs> instead mm -hmm. of a noun that it, right. it requires constant action to be a, an ally. You can't just ba sit back and say, I'm an ally. Right. You know, <laughs> well, yeah, you can't say like, well, yeah, just because I don't do anything bad doesn't mean that um, I don't have to do anything at all. Right. Um, and again, you know, that's true for everything. That's something that I teach myself for um, other people who don't have even privileges that I have is, you know, to, it, it's something that we all have to accept. And, and it's you can always learn. And sometimes we make mistakes, but it's that willingness to keep learning and, and keep working on it. And you're exactly right, like using it as a verb. And it's not just a state of being that you automatically have by just deciding to be that you have to constantly <laughs> practice it. Yeah. And I also, I hear you on, um, on, well, I get frustrated when I see men in my feed, not understanding something. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it's usually men, sometimes it's women. Um, although there are fewer women in tech to have dissenting right. opinions, but, um, for example, with the yes, all women hashtag mm -hmm. recently, I saw so much pain and solidarity from the women in my feed. And then, um, and most men were silent, didn't, mm -hmm. didn't mention the hashtag at all. Um, 
And then a couple of men in my feed, um, one is a high profile comedian and the other is a chair of a tech conference that I have spoken at, Mm -hmm. um, both wrote sort of jokey comments about the, Mm. the yes, all women hashtag. And I thought like, well, I see problems with it too. Like I see problems with, you know, speaking on behalf of all women, but Mm -hmm. I don't think this is the time for you (laughs) to be making a joke. And, um, it can, it can sometimes feel like we make two steps forward and then, one step back, like the progress comes yeah. in these, these funny spurts. Uh, I, I agree completely with that. That's something that I've learned. You know, I, I hate to sound like, I don't even know what to say. It's just like, as I get older, you know, and the more that I, I am in this space of thinking and talking about these issues, um, I, you know, I, I feel differently about a lot of it than I did five years ago when I first started really speaking out on the internet about things like this. Um, and that's okay. There's no one right way to speak out or feel about these things. I don't think, but, um, I think where I am now is, is a much deeper understanding of, um, the subtleties involved in all of this. (laughs) And it's just, it gets, it gets very complicated, but I agree with you that, that, yeah, it's, it's something that we have to keep just practicing and keep doing and, and keep listening too. I think that, that's something else that I have encountered with uh, sometimes for me, I see the opposite where I see men who will learn about these things and are really moved to act, which is wonderful. And I really appreciate that attention. Um, but I think sometimes men are used to just like taking action and having it work out. Um, mm-hmm. And don't sometimes all the action you really need to take is to make sure that you're listening and educating yourself um, to inform that you take the right actions. Um, so it's, I, I think there's a, there's a lot of ways to approach it that aren't necessarily intuitive or what we would necessarily do first. So um, we need to take action, but we also need to listen and we need to um, speak up, but we also need to make sure that we're using our voice the way that is authentic to us and in the right places and things like that. So there, there's, there's so many complexities that go on with it. Yeah. Really well put. I'm hoping that all of those guys who were silent and not using the yes, all women Twitter hashtag were in listening mode. I don't know for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I don't know for sure either, but you can hope that. Yeah. Well, um, this actually kind of brings me uh, to another topic I wanted to talk about with you, um, which is your high visibility project. It's Mm -hmm. this video project that you have that um, collects and surfaces the stories of women in technology. And of course, I'm totally on board with projects that help retain women in tech. Mm -hmm. And I think um, yours has a really unique and interesting format where um, your participants basically just sit in front of their webcam and tell their story pretty briefly, like five minutes, maybe, um, to the viewer. How mm-hmm. did this idea come to you and how did you get started? And yeah, so this is an interesting project cause I actually created this a couple years ago. Um, and it's kind of, um, I haven't seen as much activity recently on it. I've been, I've been trying to give it some more love and some more attention. So I appreciate you bringing it up. <laughs> um, but I think it actually came to me like I said, I think this was a couple years ago, and I think that there was a little bit of a, a trend for a while of doing video campaigns. I think it got started with the It Gets Better campaign. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I think that there, I, I saw a few other people who did the same thing, and um, I liked that idea. And I thought that, especially in terms of, we talk all the time about how visibility is so important for women in tech, and it's so hard to to see these role models and and he, and literally like hear what their stories are. And so I thought, well, the easiest way to do that is to make a video. <laughs> um, 
so I, I just essentially did that. And I was really fortunate to have some pretty amazing women submit their stories right off the bat. The unfortunate thing is that it kind of lost steam after a little while. I, I don't know if maybe that was part of a like a video campaign trend that we're not as into anymore. So um, I'm working right now to really get it back up and running. I've recruited a couple volunteers who are helping me improve the design and make it easier for people to submit and make it clearer what we're looking for and try to achieve and all of that. And, and hopefully we can get some more submissions in and continue collecting those stories. Oh, cool. So people can just go to the website and submit themselves. Please. Yeah. (laughs) The format that we have is that it's basically just, um, create a video. Um, and also if I know not everybody feels completely comfortable, um, creating a video or wants to stay anonymous on the internet, which I understand completely. So, um, people are also welcome to just send in, um, text stories if they want to describe their experiences or whatever they have to share. We'll find a way to get it on the site so people can see it. But, um, if people are inclined to make videos, it's as simple as just kind of, um, making a video, uploading it to YouTube or Vimeo. We don't actually host them. Just if you host them at an external site, site and then just send us the embed code. So we have a form that you can send all the details in and we put it up on the site or um, you can also submit a pull request on GitHub. So the whole site's on GitHub. And if you want to just add your video and your information, your Twitter handle, all of that stuff, um, you can just submit a pull request on GitHub and we'll add it to the site. Oh, cool. That's a really cool way of doing it. Um, and right. It's good that, you know, for anyone who is not on Git that they have the other option, but cool. Oh my right. goodness. That's, um, I'm curious, are there any moments from specific videos that really resonated with you or like if, if someone was going to look for a video to start with, um, is there any certain one you would recommend or just start at the top? Yeah, I just kind of go, th- I, I don't, there, are, there aren't a ton of them on the site right now, so you could probably go through all of them. <laughs> there is not one in particular. I think that the common theme that I really liked that I saw pop up in the videos just, um, I, I think that's just, it just happened and I really liked it was, I think that most people's message in there was, I did this and you can do it too. Yeah. And that wasn't necess- I mean I guess it's implicit in the the goal of the project, but I never made that explicit. And so it was really interesting to see how that just naturally emerged that when people when women wanted to tell their stories about what it was like to go through their their own processes of learning and building a career, um it just naturally came out in the form of, you know, I I did all these things and some of it was difficult and some of it's still difficult, but I did it and I, I'm continuing to do it and you can do it too. And, you know, it, it just, again, it's that kind of, um, building that community and having role models in there. It's an amazing source of inspiration and support. Yeah. I, um, I also feel like I identified a theme uh, among the, the ones that I watched of, um, your career, not having to be a straight line. I, I mean, I, I watched one where a woman uh, came from publishing into web development or I don't know. I just I, I feel like um, it was comforting to me to see that I wasn't the only one who, um, you know, who changed careers to to be in tech, um, that that oh, was yeah. more common than I than I thought it was. Definitely. Um, and I, I mean, I think that we get a little bit. Um, we, we forget that because tech is so focused on youth and now most of the young people coming into the industry have been around computers and technology for their entire lives. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's not the case for everybody. And there's nothing to say that you can't switch streams and 
also, that, I think it's also worth mentioning, that's a really positive thing. It's the same thing I was talking about with bringing in different perspectives and backgrounds. A lot of times we translate that very specifically as just um, diversity in the sense of underrepresented people and in, in demographics, which is accurate. But it's also just accurate in the sense of um, people with different expert expertises and um, different bodies of wisdom and knowledge and all that stuff that they can bring to the table that makes everything stronger and more interesting. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. You know, one, one kind of funny example of that for my own uh, professional life was that uh, I was, I was working on a product at a startup and the CEO sent an email around asking, uh, asking the developers, I mean, the company was mostly developers at the time, mm-hmm. uh, to pick which background music should be used in, in the, uh, the little ad video. Mm-hmm. And I thought, but this team is not our target demographic. <laughs> we mm-hmm. want to, we want to be selling to, right. uh, it, it was a netbook and we wanted to be selling to moms making purchasing decisions in their families. And I thought like, why are you asking a bunch of 20 and 30 something guys, what kind of music right. they like best? Like this is not going to be representative. Um, yeah. And I think it's so easy for, um, you know, for people to unwittingly fall into that trap of like, Oh, let me just ask the advice of the people around me, not realizing that that's not a representative group. Right. Yeah. Well, I would love to talk a little more uh, specifically about your your pregnancy and leave, um, how you handled that, um, because you said you, uh, since your daughter's birth, have been on your own raising her. And I'm -hmm. I'm very curious about, um, you know, what time you were able to take off. Actually, I I heard earlier that you were a student at the time, so that's interesting, too. And, um, you know, what sort of support you put in place around you back then? and how that's changed over time as she's gotten older. Um, right. Yeah. So, so how has that been? Um, so, I mean, it's pretty great now. <laughs> when I started out, I pretty much did everything wrong, oh. Every, which, you know, it happens. That's the way life goes. But yeah, no, I didn't, I uh, didn't plan on having my daughter when I did. Um, and you know, definitely one of those things in retrospect, which I'm very glad happened, but at the time, um, was not a great time or place for me to do that. So, um, it was, it was pretty, pretty nuts when it was mm-hmm. actually happening. Um, yeah, I've, I've, um, always been on my own with my daughter. I've been fortunate that I had a little bit of family support, but I don't have very strong, a, a very strong family foundation. So, um, yeah, mostly, mostly on my own. I was always very grateful for the support I did have, but for the first part of my daughter's life, it was pretty much just, just me hustling and me just kind of figuring things out as I went, uh, which is, you know, kind of my style anyway. So it, it worked <laughs> out all right. So yeah, definitely the first couple of years of my daughter's life were, um, not necessarily what I would recommend anybody else copy or follow. Um, But it is a really great example to know that you can do what you can raise a kid and do what you want to do, no matter what your circumstances. Cause I had probably some of the worst circumstances that uh, some, uh, especially a mother could be in. Um, and we still came out of it pretty good. So, um, it was, it was a really great lesson for me. I was, I was younger when I had my daughter, it was a good exercise in me learning how to really focus myself and my life. Um, it's a good, whenever you have a kid, it's, I think anybody who's had a kid knows this. And if you're going to, you'll, you'll find out that you have to, it it focuses everything really sharply, very quickly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You have some very clear priorities in place and you have to learn how to 
make sure you live up to those priorities. And if it's, if it's not a priority, then it pretty much gets dropped. And um, that's okay. That's something else that I think I've learned throughout the whole course of, of being a single mother is that, um, no, you can't do absolutely everything, um, but you can do the things that you want. It's just a matter of really learning how to prioritize what's important to you and what kind of example you want to be for your child. And then you do that. And that's not going to be everything by, you know, the, the, somebody else's standards of everything. You have to make up your own standard of what everything means and what's important to you. And for me, I mean, the things that were important to me were giving my daughter an example of an independent woman who could build a career on her own terms. And so that's what I've done. And even in, um, when I first started speaking and doing some of the teaching, girl development, organizing, things like that, it was not always the easiest thing to do as, as a mother. But um, I felt that it was really good to stay true to that and give my daughter an example of that and eventually involve her in it. And it's, it's worked out really well for us, actually. So, so yeah, I, I didn't really interact with any things like, like leave or... <laughs> kind of the more the more official things i kind of did everything by unofficial unofficial channels um and just kind of made it up as i went along but again at the end of it the the thing i got out of it was realizing that you can make it work no matter what well in a way i'm kind of envious that you didn't have to uh return to work at a certain Mm -hmm. date you know that you could figure out what was best for you yeah no definitely and like i said it it was it was crazy at the time but in retrospect i see a lot of benefits and and kind of i had to make it up as i went but that also meant that i got to make it up as i went um so it, it was difficult and it was totally stressful but in the end i think i ended up with something that was really kind of unique and and very true to how i'd like to live my life so it, it kind of worked out in that way cool well it's really inspiring to hear you so um engaged in your work and so happy about uh how you're mixing it with being a parent i'm I'm just very inspired <laughs> sitting here oh, talking you. with you. Um, so I'm curious if you have any um, tips you would give to other parents, other single parents, other um, just other parents of an eight-year-old. <laughs> you know, um, do you have any like yeah secret weapons for for making your life work? I don't know if there's anything that I haven't talked about so far, but I think that the main things that I always go back to that I've learned is um, learning how to delegate and accept help is super important. Like I mentioned, I'm a very independent person and especially being put in in circumstances where I didn't have a lot of support. um, I I tended to take so much on myself, which is not always the best course of action. Um, You can be strong and you can be independent by asking for help and learning who is willing to support you and building up a support structure. Um, right now, I'm, I'm way better than I was in the beginning at learning how to delegate and identifying the people who can, who can help me live my life more efficiently. And so I'm, I'm much better at that. And it's made us both much happier. Um, so asking for help and delegating, those are very important skills. And I think the other main thing is what I mentioned before is I think one of the important things, most important things about being a parent is being the example of the person that you would like them to be. And not necessarily in the sense of, um, like I said before, I don't need to have my daughter grow up to be a programmer or it's not about the, the what, but it's more about the how. Um, but I do want my daughter to know that she can be whatever she wants to be and that if she wants to choose a certain career path, she shouldn't 
shouldn't shy away from it because she thinks she doesn't belong or that she can't do it um, or that she can only have a career and not kids. Um, you know, any of those things. I want her to know that there's a way to figure anything out if you want to figure it out. And so I think the best way to teach her that is to live my life that way and, and be that, that example for her. And I think sometimes as parents, you know, we think about them and that's, that's great. That's the way it should be to a certain extent. But I think it's really important to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves and living up to the examples that we want ourselves to be because in the end that is for them too they're going to be able to see that and that's going to be what they base their ideas off of what they can do and what the kind of people they want to surround themselves with so we need to make sure that we do that for ourselves for them i think that's fantastic advice um and i would love for people who want to hear um more of your your thoughts that you write on this um to be able to go to your blog so or your whole website is jenmyers.net is that right that's right m-y-e-r-s yeah Mm -hmm. yep that's right and i haven't been writing as much this year but that's one of my goals for for this summer um is to do a lot more of that so i'm going to be writing a lot more in the coming months well please do we all want to read it (laughs) awesome thanks (laughs) and um and if people want to submit to your high visibility project that's at highvisibilityproject.org mm-hmm that's also linked at my website, too. Okay, great. Um, and I will put all of these links in the, the show notes also. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to tell your story and, and share your thoughts. Um, it's been great having you here. Oh, thank you so much. These are great questions. It's been a lot of fun <laughs> talking to you. Awesome. That wraps up this episode of Motherboard. Thanks again to our sponsor, GitHub, for supporting parents in tech. To sponsor or support the podcast, that is to help us pay the bills, visit motherboardpodcast.com slash support. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons license, and you can learn more about that at motherboardpodcast.com slash about. Last but not least, all views expressed on the podcast are individual opinions and not representative of any company. Thanks for listening. Best wishes for a happy work life and happy parenting.